We're trying to conduct a serious scientific investigation. Science, logic, reason. Do you have any hard data? Now, that's what I call science. You're listening to That's What I Call Science, the weekly radio show and podcast that brings independent and interesting STEM, that's science, technology, engineering and maths, from Tasmania. This show is supported by Edge Radio, Hobart's premium youth station. Head to edge.org.au for more info. My name is Alana Russell and today we're going to be talking with two guests. We have Dr Emily Fleece and Mercy Ndalila as part of our International Women's Day series. So Mercy recently received the Women in STEM grant from the Science in the Pub to bring some of her research back into the community. So I'm going to start by talking to Dr. Emily Flees about that grant and her work with Science in the Pub. So hello, Emily. How are you going today? I'm doing really well, Alana. It's <laughs> nice to be here with you. Um, how did you get into science? I know it's a bit of a big question to start with. Yeah, and I know some people have really good stories about that, that they were always into bugs and they always wanted to be a scientist, but that is not the case for me. I, I, I didn't know what I wanted to be growing up, and I was very fortunate to have parents who just encouraged me to do, take classes that I was interested in and, and just follow my passions. Um, and so I, I did that in my undergrad, and I studied anthropology and psychology because um, people are fascinating, and I wanted to understand, you know, why people do what we do. And um, those, I really enjoyed all the classes I took with, with those two degrees, but um, it turns out that there's not a lot of job demand for psychological anthropologists. It's so a bit niche, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> um, yeah, so I, yeah, I worked some jobs. I, I also have always been, um, enjoyed being outdoors and, you know, felt really connected to nature. And so I taught outdoor education for a couple of years um, to middle schoolers or, you know, preteens. Um, and through that, I got more thinking more about the connections between the environment and humans and human health and environmental health and how, how the environment impacts us. And so I, I went back to study a master's degree, and I've studied uh, zoonotic infectious diseases. So those are the infections that humans share with animals, like uh, coronavirus right and now. Ebola virus are, yep. are yep, some of those. And I studied how the environment sh- influences that transmission dynamic, um, and that was that's fascinating, and I really enjoy that research still. Um, I've shifted a little bit since finishing my PhD, and I'm now a postdoc here, um, a, a yeah, research fellow here at UTAS, and I'm studying now urban health, um, urban health ecology, and how urban environments impact human health by separating us from from natural environments, um, and how green spaces can be used to improve human health, and in particular how um, altered, you know, exposure to biodiverse microbial communities in green spaces can be beneficial for the development of our immune system. I really hope you're talking about eating dirt right now. I am talking about <laughs> eating dirt. You know, not directly, Diverse not big, not big chunks of it, but, you know. Yep. Eating a little bit of dirt. Exposure to dirt and... <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Wow, so you've not, you've not had a straight path through science. You've gone up and down and around and studied all these different things. Yeah, yeah. I, think I like to hear that from people who haven't just gotten into this from high school and just been a scientist their whole life. Yeah, and, you have and a through, diverse viewpoint. through um, Science in the Pub, I've gotten to hear a lot of people's paths, uh, you know, people who are now scientists, and I've got to hear how they came to be at the successful position that they are now. And many of them, it's been a really meandering, wandering path. I think, you know, Mercy experienced that 
as well as you'll hear. Um, and yeah, I, I think I did get to follow my passions. And for me, it always was wanting to do something good in the world, have a positive impact on the world. And, um, and I'm finding there are many ways to do that through science. And for me, this blending of um, health and the environment means I have the potential both to improve human health through my research and also improve conservation and the arguments for conservation. So for me, it's been a really nice blend of those things and allows me to, to feel like I'm doing good work. So speaking about improving the world around you, mm. you have through Science in the Pub. So Science in the Pub is um, this weekly, is it? Weekly it's talk that you organize? Science in the Pub is a monthly, uh, monthly. event series. Okay. So it's a nonprofit organization. Um, it's, it's founded by my partner Andy Fleece and I, and we now have a wonderful organizing committee that helps run our events. Um, but it's yeah, entirely volunteer run, and we host these monthly events in the pub. We provide free nibbles for the audience and drinks for the panelists, and it's just about connecting um, the incredible science and scientists here in Tasmania with the the, it, the public who's interested in. We the work are that obviously doing. quite passionate about that too. Yes, <laughs> yes. So through the science in the pub, you've introduced this grant. The Inspiring Women in STEM grant. Are you able to tell us a bit about that? Yeah. So last, er, so in 2018, actually, Andy and I were awarded the Vice Chancellor's Award for Outstanding Community Engagement. Congratulations. Thank you for our work with Science in the Pub. Um, and that came with a small pot of money. And we, when we, we got that grant, um, we realized we wanted to do two things. And one was support the incredible um, community of Science in the Pub people who, who've been joining us for five years now. Um, and we wanted to give back to that community who, you know, are, are the reason we got the award in the first place. Um, and also do something for, something good for, for the university and the people here at the University of Tasmania. And so we, um, it, that grant helped us start the first Science in the Park. That was something we wanted to do as a family-friendly event. And so we put some of the funds towards that and towards um, future Science in the Pub events. And the other thing was trying to figure out how we could use it to to better, you know, the, the community here and support people who haven't had all the advantages that um, my partner and I have had in life. And so we, we had a lot of trouble actually figuring out how to do that because sometimes we just wanted to support people who are, who are struggling or underprivileged or... Um, you know, have had a hard time in, in their studies, but that didn't really fit with what Science in the Pub is about. So trying to blend sort of the, the goals of Science in the Pub with those sort of personal objectives. Um, and what we came up with in the end was this Inspiring Women in STEM grant, um, which sort of ticks a couple of boxes for us. It, it allowed us to support people from lower and middle in income countries who have overcome incredible hurdles to, to undertake a tertiary degree. Um, specifically with the, the grant, we wanted to um, support women who are studying away from their children because um, we've, we've met a few of them and they're just, they're incredible, strong, inspiring people and we wanted to just do something to make their life easier. So that was important to us. And um, it also ticks the box of, of advancing the goals of Science in the Pub, which is to put people in, in close contact with the incredible scientists and, and science that, that happens here. So I we were really happy this. with how that... This is ticking so many boxes. Yeah, how that came about. And then we were really gracious to get um, some additional funds from the College of Science and Engineering to support our runners-up. So, um, yeah, so that's where the grant came from. And, yeah. 
We're hoping to continue it. So this is, it came from that small pot of money, Mm -hmm. um, which was one year and is gone now. Um, So we've actually started a crowdsourcing uh, to try to fund this and make it an annual thing. And we're searching for funds to be able to keep doing this because we had a number of women apply this year and they were all amazing. And there are more of them out there and we'd really just like to keep this going. So in a moment, we're going to hear from the inaugural winner of this grant, Mercy Ndalila, about her area of research and what this grant has enabled her to do. You're listening to That's What I Call Science, and we are celebrating women in STEM for International Women's Day. This episode is the final instalment of our three-part series. Go online or to all major podcast providers if you want to listen to the other two. So I've got a couple of questions for Mercy and Dalila. Yes. Um, I wanted to start with, can you tell us about your area of research? So my area of research is fire ecology. And my main uh, uh, study area for my study is um, the Fawcett Denali fire that happened in uh, 2013. So what I'm studying about the fire is, number one, just to I'm using GIS and remote sensing techniques to map the severity of the fire. So the damage that happened on the fire within that uh, uh, fire ground. But so I'm, what are those techniques, sorry? Remote sensing. So just satellite techniques, so using satellite and Area photography. Oh, so is it like photos that satellites take of an area? Yes, yeah. and even the, the aircraft take. So it's aerial photography. So I'm using those two Im- imagery that are collected from satellite and uh, aircraft to map the damage that happened on the fire within the Fawcett Denali fire that happened in January 2013. Yes. Oh, wow. And on top of that, I'm also trying to understand the... This is going to be a very technical term. It's called a pyrocumulonimbus. Pyrocumulonimbus. Oh, that so is a technical term. Exactly. So this is a, a thunderstorm that is produced by a fire. This happens usually in extreme fires, you know. So the Denali fire produced that uh, pyrocumulonimbus, which I will make it easy for you. I will just say it's a fire thunderstorm. So wow. I'm also trying to understand the dynamics and to understand the weather, the weather conditions that likely caused the production of the uh, that fire thunderstorm and how that thunderstorm relates to the damage on the Oh, oh, yeah, on the ground. Oh, wow. So these don't happen in every bushfire. No. This is only quite severe fires. Yeah, severe fires. And that's actually the only, probably the only record and the first record of, of that thunderstorm in, 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 in Tasmania. Uh, I'm not really sure those talk that there was an, another one that happened this year, but I feel like that at least uh, the recorded one, that is the only recorded uh, event of a, a fire thunderstorm in Tasmania. It has happened before in Australia. Maybe the total right now might be up to around over, over 70 events that have happened in, in, in Australia, but they've also happened in other parts of the, the world, like like in the, the North, North America, especially uh, the western part of the U.S. or the, the yeah, the, the boreal forests of, of the U.S. and Canada. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So did you originally think that you were going to be studying fire ecology? Like, Not really. Why, when, when I was uh, doing my master's in Europe, I did my master's in Sweden and the Netherlands. At that time, I really wasn't sure I'll be doing uh, fire ecology. Yeah. But then... Uh, 
when an opportunity arose uh, from here, and then I talked to my supervisors back in Kenya, and I explained to them about this really good opportunity for me to study fire ecology. And that's not really a field that many people in Kenya have it's not uh, they don't have much expert expertise about fire ecology and you know in Kenya we're experiencing cases where the fires are actually becoming really so intense and uh, you know there's been so many reports of the fires happening in Kenya for the last uh, f 15 to 20, 20 years usually the fires are known to happen in the savanna areas, so areas where there's a lot of grassland and, and such, and usually it's deliberate so that we can promote grow new growth of uh, grass for the Animals, so and deliberate burn-offs yes. rather than wildfires. Yeah, that's that was that has been the case up to now. But then now we've been seeing reports of forest fires, fires happening in the forest, which were never were never common. They used to happen once in a while, but now we've seen reports of the fires becoming more common and larger in size, larger in size than before. So so then that made me really feel the need to come to Australia because again this Australia is an authority in research about the fires and and in Tasmania we have here. a lot of bushfires exactly exactly yes. we have a lot of history with bushfires and my supervisor here is also a world renowned expert in in fire ecology so I thought being here I will get the right skills so that I can oh, even transfer the skins from here and I, I take them back back to Kenya where it's really needed and people are really ignorant about it. That is amazing that you've managed to travel the world so you can specialise in an area yes. that will be able to help your home country. Yes. Is, did you originally, like, what got you into science in the first place in Kenya? I think I was always go I was good in sciences and I just liked sciences from primary and high school. And, and especially in high school, I, I love biology, you know. Oh, and, and I was chemistry. a biology nerd as well, yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And so when I went to the university, I just thought, yeah, that's it came naturally that I would do uh, biology. But then I sp specialized in ecology because I really loved just the nature and just working in the field and, you know, and all that. So I thought, wow. Definitely conservation and ecology are the things that I really wanted to pro proceed on. And that's what I, I did in my university and also what I proceeded with when I went to Europe. And now I'm here oh doing wow. the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, I was an absolute biology nerd as well, but I always loved all the physical stuff. So it's yeah. great that you love the ecology, like how the systems tie in together. Exactly. A lot of people think that biology is like a nerdy in the lab science, but no, you get to no, go out in the bush. Exactly, like. and enjoy the nature. So it's not yeah. really about just being in the lab. It's more than that. Yeah, and I think I just enjoy that outdoor nature. I haven't been able to do so much in Australia for now, but I wish I, 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 I should be able to do much when yeah, eventually my PhD is done, you know. Yes, when your PhD is yeah. done, you'll have time. You exactly. can go Bushwalking. Exactly. <laughs> uh, which I did actually last uh, last Saturday. I did yeah. bushwalking. My legs are still sore. <laughs> still sore. From, from walking. We're yeah. quite hilly around this area. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So now that we're talking about um, International Women's Day things, this one's a bit of a heavy question for okay. you. Okay. Um, but we wanted to know if you have experienced any challenges as a woman in STEM, especially one who's gone across several countries in yes. your studies. Yeah. I have experience, and for me, it has been a little bit personal. Uh, when I came here, came to Australia the first time, that was in 2015. I started my PhD, but I was expecting a baby. And oh, so, wow, yes, you're a mother. Exactly, with a, to a four-year-old son who is in Kenya right now, you know. So when I... I I just realized with time, uh, within the first six months, that I couldn't be able to have my baby here because it was, it was a lit little bit expensive for me, you know. And so I had to suspend my studies. I went back home for one and a half years and I 
came back in 2017, February of 20, 2017. So that has been, it, it was really hard because then I had to stop my studies, go back home. And even when I went home, I had to leave my son with my family. Because that must I be so difficult. It is. So he's still in Kenya. Yes. So I usually get to travel every year, every end of the year just to see my family. And actually the last time I went was just, when I, w- I was going to present this uh, talk about inspiring women in, in sciences, you know, in STEM courses, yeah. Oh, my goodness. I, I can't even imagine how difficult that must be for you. It's it, raising a family while doing science. They just don't go together very well, do they? Like, there's not much space <laughs> in science for that. No, no, no much space, and especially if you're doing field work, because now you're yeah. doing field work, you have to be away from your family. At least if you are living with your family, that in that case, you know, for me, I'm already away from my family. But even when you have your family around you, you know, some 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 of the times you might need to be in the field for a month, two weeks, and you know, just having a family, leaving a family behind, and doing that, it, you need a lot of sacrifice. A lot of sacrifice is required. You have to, to be quite that. dedicated. Dedicated, yeah. very determined, you know, to 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 do to do that. Oh, and women have done that, so that should be also be an inspiration to the, the rest of us that is possible. No matter what, it's possible. that is that is inspiring, but also yeah. it's it's kind of sad that that is something that has to happen for you yes. to be able to pursue your PhD. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's the sad part of it. But it's, I, I'm handling it. You know, yeah. <laughs> you are you are an inspiration for handling that. <laughs> I would not. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, next, we're going to hear from Mercy again about what she has undertaken with our Inspiring Women in STEM grant. So keep listening in. You're listening to That's What I Call Science. I'm Alana Russell and I'm joined with Dr. Emily Fleece and PhD candidate Mercy Ndalila, the recipient of the inaugural Women in STEM grant from the Science in the Pub. So Mercy, what activities did you actually undertake as a recipient of this grant? Oh, I did a number of the activities. Uh, the first one was I gave a talk to uh, two different campuses of my home university called University of Nairobi. And I just shared my experience about, about welfare research and here in Australia, but also just uh, some little bit of lessons that Kenya can learn about the Australian fires, you know, because there was a lot of news about Australia. So so you were able to travel back home yes. with this? Yeah, I was able to travel b- 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 back home thanks to the grant, you know, and that enabled me to just uh, share my experiences studying in Australia, my PhD research, and also what Kenyans can learn from the Australian fires. So... Um, after I gave uh, that interview, uh, the, the talk, which was very w- well received, because there was a lot of uh, discussions about how uh, Kenya can actually take up some, some of the lessons. You know, we've been so complacent, you know, thinking that wildfires don't really happen in Kenya. You know, there was a lot of ignorance about the fires in Kenya. So then at least uh, getting this platform to just to share with them what uh, happens really and, you know, what we should be prepared for, I think was a good opportunity. Yeah. So that's one one of the places that I went to, and then uh, also uh, knew because that that women women really have uh, uh, there's a challenge of enough role models, you know, female role models in STEM courses, you know, and so I I, I got a chance also to talk to a high school in an area that is really marginalized, you know, that's a school where m- many of the students have uh, 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 faced with female circumcision. Oh, female, wow. Yeah, yeah. And there will be a, maybe like 
I gave a talk to around 130 final year students, but some of those students are actually were rescued from homes and they're living outside their homes because of the fears, you know. Yeah, so course. high school is actually an area for them to be safe. They've been taken yes. out of their homes yes. so they can... And the principal wow. actually told me that they, she really, those, those are the kids she really takes because then she knows they'll be safe from, the, you know, and you know, and you know female circumcision also goes with early marriages, you know. So yeah. Then, yeah. So then at least I went to that school just to inspire them, you know, uh, about uh, working hard and just being in school, uh, you know, taking science uh, STEM courses because then that also gives you an opportunity just to get scholarships when you go abroad, travel, and also have a better appreciation of other people's cultures instead of just being, you know, in a small area that you don't really know my what what what's happening outside your local area. So just getting that opportunity was was good, and so that's that's what I also did um, in that school. And then I also went to our as a pre primary school where my, oh my son goodness, studies. So you, you got to talk to university, high school and primary school all in your home country. Yeah. Like a kindergarten. Oh, kinder. Yeah. That's adorable. Yeah, because uh, when I got this grant, I approached the Tasmania Fire, uh, fire Service and I told them, yeah, I'm going, uh, I'm going to give a talk to a high school in Kenya. But, you know, when I talk about fires, they don't really relate, you know. But then uh. I know there have been cases of School fires, you know, like uh, dormitory fires and... Uh, like building fires, yeah. how they get out of those, yeah. Yeah, and then the sad thing is students have actually died, like in those boarding schools. Oh, and wow. so, uh, so I, I thought, no, instead of going to talk about fires and there's really nothing they can actually relate, how about just, you know, if I can get something that can that they can be donated to that school and at least save, you know, in, and make the, the girls safe sleeping at night knowing that at least they're protected from the fires. So then uh, the, the Tasmania Fire Service were gracefully enough to donate up to around 40, almost 50, 50 smoke alarms, some of which I was able to, yeah, some of which, uh, some of the, those uh, uh, smoke alarms, I, I went and uh, uh, donated to that school yeah. and then so you're helping the fire safety of a primary school as well yes and then some of them yeah there were, there were some coloring guides for for the, for the kindergarten kids which i also took to now that small primary school so that at least they are aware but the most of the alarms went to the high school one mm-hmm. the, the, the school that has marginalized kids that is fantastic yeah. you've been able to like spread so many messages across a whole like spectrum of yeah. people all the way from kindergarten to adult academics yes. back in your home country. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Um, what do you think, like, what kind of impact do you think you've had on these people? I think, so the impacts in different levels. For the university, is just having an awareness that fires actually is something that Kenya has to prepare for, you know, and just need uh, adequate preparation and also just the need for institu- institutional collaborations with Australia and other uh, countries that, w- you know, that have traditionally uh, experienced fires. That's one. But then I think for that high school, for me, is just, having to sleep knowing that they are protected from the fires do you know this the past two weeks two schools and these are really prominent schools burnt some of the hostels burnt but luckily the students were not in in the dorms so they were in, in class so now when you when you see these stories happening and becoming very common then you understand there is a, the, the the impact of those smoke alarms and the fire safety guards how they help actually protect girls oh my goodness yeah that's that is very worrying yeah. and uh, yeah. Uh, wow. I didn't realize it was such a big problem over there at all. It's it, it's it's not a big problem, but it's a problem. But it's, it's something. A problem. Yeah. It's a problem. Yeah. Wow. And, and and I think the the the, the, the idea is just just sharing that information that actually the, the smoke alarms are there to protect you. Mm-hmm. So so just if a few schools can know that 
and then know that there's need to have those sm- smoke alarms in, in the domes. Then perhaps you know, the smoke alarms will become more normal. That, that was the plan, and ah. that is the plan, and that's what and I would like to do. And help save lives. Yeah. Oh, you've educated people, you've saved lives, yeah. you've brought that. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is fantastic. And this is thanks to Tasmania Fire Service, so I really have to thank uh, two people. So there is uh, Chris Thoms and Barbara Sanders who facilitated this. Fantastic. Yeah. And of course, Dr. Emily Flees, um, do you think what you... Have you achieved what you set out to do with these grants, with Mercy? Absolutely. I mean, you just heard her story. I'm, I'm just so honored to have been able to facilitate that. Um, and we actually, we achieved more than we expected to. So our, our aim was to sponsor one woman from a low or middle income country or from a remote indigenous location to go back to her community and speak with young women um, to, to share her story and, and be a role model for them to, to see what it looks like to have a career in STEM. Um, but we also uh, gained some support from the College of Science and Engineering here at UTAS, and so they kicked in some additional funds, so we were able to uh, support our three runners-up as well. So we, we had um, a, a very tough competition for this grant. Actually, we were amazed by the number of women who applied for it and how strong the applications were. And so we, we had Marcy as our winner, and she's she's absolutely incredible and has done such wonderful things with the grant. We had three runners-up, um, some women uh, studying at IMAS and studying in the School of Natural Sciences who come from Guatemala and Fiji and India. And we, through the College of Science and, e- and Engineering, were able to support them with some funds as well. And the wonderful thing about it was we just we gave them a, a small amount of money and just said, this is just to, for you to support you in the, the, and the outreach activities that you're doing um, because it's, it's just so important to us to see these women um, reaching out uh, to be role models and to communicate their science and their experiences with the next generation. Um, and they did such incredible things. You know, it's small amounts of money, but... but um, Gabriella, uh, you heard her story, Mercy. She um, she helped this library in in Guatemala, in a remote section of Guatemala, that's run by a, a 13 year old young girl who started this library. And um, with the funds that we gave her, she bought laboratory coats for the girls and started a science club for these young girls um, at this library. So, oh yes, goodness. we're so absolutely. You've just put in a small amount of money, yeah. and this has been returned tenfold in outcome. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're finding, you know, you you support, you find these good people and you support good people and just incredible things happen this has been an inspiring episode thank you so much to my two guests for talking with us today and thank you to you the listener for listening to that's what i call science we love to bring you science related content and i hope you've enjoyed today's incredible show if you did love the show you can get in touch with us by searching that's what i call science or that science taz on facebook instagram and twitter my name's Alana Russell. I'd like to thank our guests, Dr. Emily Flees and Mercy and Dalila, and the team behind the scenes, Neve Chapman, our show director, Meredith Castles in production, and Olivia Holloway in media. Um, our show is proudly supported by Edge Radio. Head to edgeradio.org.au for more information. <laughs>